Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Morning, Chuck. We did, man. It was uh, fun to get down to North Little Rock and watch the guys play. I know they typically hadn't played well, but even coming off finals this week, they they looked like they were ready to go. I thought they played great. I just thought it was a great weekend all the way around. I thought, you know, the welcome for the team was just really out of this world. And, you know, it was a full house. And, you know, I think, you know, as the – kids say they like to feel the love man and i mean they um i think they fed off the crowd and vice versa and it was just a great weekend all the way around i want to play this clip that uh was pretty fun during the game away in the backcourt to dean dean demashed at the high post walsh knocks it away there's another turnover two on one walsh to the rim with a throwdown. jordan walsh with the steal and the dunk and the hogs are up four bradley Good. tries to beat him back hogs knock it away again Devo ahead to back lob to Walsh in a throwdown. Wow. What a highlight moment inside Simmons Bank Arena. It is showtime in central Arkansas this afternoon. They're on their feet. I'll give you credit, Chuck. I remember you saying that during the Euro trip, which was like, what, August? And I got a chance to watch that Lakers thing on HBO and got a chance to watch a bunch of highlights and stuff from Showtime. This team has a little bit of that in you, as you referenced well, they got a lot months ago. It. They got a lot of that in them. They like that. They like the atmosphere. They like putting on a show. And that's just kind of their MO. They, <laughs> they like these moments. And I don't think they're going to shy away from the big moment any. I, I, I just think this is what they like. Yeah. We think has been going on with Jordan Walsh the last couple of weeks. He has come to life. I, I know Trevin Brazil's uh, injury and season-ending injury um, opened up an opportunity. Why all of a sudden, in your estimate, has he flipped the switch and become the player he, he has been the last couple of games? Well, I do think that, you know, Brazil going out psychologically probably had an effect on him. Um, I also think that, you know, sometimes when kids come in and – They've got to figure out where they fit into everything. It, it takes a little while. Some guys has to do maybe with personality. I don't know. Um, but, you know, whatever the reason is, I think he's finding his comfort zone. And really when you put it into perspective, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, by the middle toward the end of December of his freshman year is coming into his own. And that means he's well ahead of the game, very well ahead of the game. He didn't miss a shot. On Saturday, it goes seven for seven. I know it's kind of weird how he ended up fouling out because of the flagrant and the technical, but he's starting to find not only just his rhythm within what he's trying to do as a role, but Chuck, he's starting to stroke it a little bit as well. Well, he's doing, and and Mus talked about this during the uh, during the post game, and um, you know I'll go back to the game against Oklahoma. He had a couple of threes, and you could see his feet set, 
and you know that's really the most important thing for a guy that's 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 going to shoot well from the perimeter. I mean, you got to get your feet set. You've got to be shooting within the framework of the offense, and I think that's that's what he's doing right now. He's not jacking them uh, from out there. Sometimes, you know, we get mad at a guy when he shoots a three and it doesn't go in, but then sometimes we want a guy to shoot more threes. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just not within the framework of what you're doing. And Walsh seems to shoot within the framework of the offense. And I think that's what makes him good. Well, I don't want him to shoot. I just want him to make. That's, that's all. right. That's all, you know. So you got to make some threes. You got to put some up. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. I like it, too. I like it, too. And um, I love watching teams that can shoot the three. I enjoy that just as a fan. But this is a team that, as we've seen, I mean, man, you got to get to the rim. Yeah, I mean, it, and the game has become, as we've talked about many times, you're either going to shoot a three or you're going to try to get a dunk. I mean, it's one or the other anymore. I mean, someone's setting up and trying to get a 12-foot jumper just doesn't happen much yeah. anymore in today's college game. You know, Arkansas shoots more sometimes from the elbow and that area maybe than some teams I've seen. I do think there are guys on this team that have a little bit more of a mid-range game. For, exa- for example, Council can pull up. Uh, Council's got a good mid-range game. Devo's best shots are from mid-range. I mean, they just are. And uh, so they've got some guys that have uh, have some game from that area. But there's no question, you know, again, and you look at the numbers at the end of the night, points in the paint, you're not always going to get 27 turnovers and outscore them 37-9 off those turnovers. But Arkansas's points in the paint, that, that number's got to be game. That's a real good indicator of what style that they're being forced yeah. to play that night. I wasn't there, so I was listening to you and Z, and I heard you make that point that hey, when you when you handle someone the way you did on points off turnovers and points in the paint, and I think at the point where you were mentioning this on the broadcast, it was an even bigger disparity than forty to sixteen. But you you think about that and those two numbers, I, I think you went a hundred out of a hundred when you do that. Well, a lot of those 37 points off turnovers ended up being points in the paint because they were dunked down on the other end. And, you know, again, sometimes in, you know, what I would call the older basketball, if you want to use that term, is you'd look at points in the paint, and that would tell you how your big men are doing. It's not that way anymore. A lot of times it tells you how many turnovers you forced and how many transition baskets you've gotten as a result of that. Yeah, 17 to 7 on fast break points. I imagine most of those dunks were fast break points. So 17 for the Razorbacks. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like there's, there's, you know, points off turnovers can come in different ways. Like you can force a turnover and, I remember they forced a turnover and Council got fouled on the other end. Well, both those free throws are points mm-hmm. off turnovers. Um, so they go into that that stat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, when you've got basically half your points off turnovers coming on fast break points, that's that's layups or dunks. Now, just listening to you and Z, it, it, it always felt like Arkansas was in control, but until the last few minutes of the game, and I don't know, five or six minutes, what Arkansas really, really couldn't put them away. Bradley just kept coming back enough to keep it, you know, at arm's length, but you never felt like Bradley was a threat to win this game in the second half. No. You know, there was – when Arkansas went on that run in the first half, and, I mean, it was early. Uh, they went on a 14-1 to run early. To me, at that point, the only question was, what's the final score going to be? You know, what's the final score going to be? And, um, you know, look, I give Bradley credit. They're 7-3. and three. I mean, they uh, – um, you know, they they played hard. Um, I think Bradley's good. You know, they're picked second in the Missouri Valley, so it's not like they're, you know, they're a pushover. 
But, um, you know, Arkansas was in control, I thought, from pretty early in the game. Yeah. You know, in this week, this part of the year, you look around the country, Kentucky lost. Uh, there were some Auburn big got na- beat again. Yeah. Auburn lost last night. And, and I heard, um, was it, maybe it's Muss's press conference. You just talk about what goes on this week, finals. One thing you don't think about is Saturday, what happened to Bud Walton? He had graduation, right? So m- many teams are playing in neutral sites, on the road, all, you know, different places, coming off finals week graduation going on, all of these things on campus. Uh, I think it's not just for Musk, but for a lot of programs. I think you saw it in the final scores, and Musk kind of mentioned this postgame. Weird things happen on this weekend in college basketball. Well, anybody that's a public school teacher right now knows every kid in the classroom's got Christmas fever, holiday fever. You know, just because you're 19 or 20 doesn't mean you don't get holiday fever anymore. Yeah, we got just it think right about here. your own life. Think yeah. about your own life right now because of the holidays, all the things you got going on. Now, I realize for kids it's different. But I also know that, I mean, hey, everybody's got things happening this time of year. And, uh, you know, so I thought to go out and play the way they played, um, they gave those 16,000-plus exactly what they came for. They put on a show. And um, I think people walked away feeling pretty good about Razorback basketball. Best crowd you've had there in 20 years. Last time you had a crowd bigger than that was Oklahoma State when they came into town in 2001. My dad was contemplating going or not. He ended up paying $30 for a ticket outside, and he said it's well worth 30 bucks. And he was kind yeah, of. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere. Yeah. It was a great atmosphere. Yeah. I, I just thought, and, and you know. Um, it really was a celebration of basketball in our state. Um, you know, when you saw the people in the stands, there were a lot of basketball. Todd Day was sitting a few rows behind us. I mean, it was um, hmm. it was really a celebration of the game, and I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was it, it, just a shame. You, you, you wish Nick Smith could have played more. He got 20 minutes in this game, maybe been a little more of the, the end storyline because that's his hometown and probably, in all likelihood, the, the one and only chance he'll get to play there. Um, you know, as a Razorback. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody hoped maybe he'd score 30 or 40, but uh, didn't work out that way. And that's the thing about this team. Um, and, and, and I give a lot of credit to Nick Smith for this. Um, you know, there are guys out there who would have, they'd have taken the ball, said, today's my day. Uh, get out of my way. Uh, we're going to run ISO over and over and over again. You just let me go. This is my town. Um, I didn't sense he was like that, and I didn't sense after the game that he was bitter or jealous or anything like that. I'm sure he would have loved to have gone out there and scored 30 and, you know, had all his family members in the stands going nuts, and it would have been fun. But it was Jordan Walsh's day. And the thing about this team is, and I think this is one of the things that gives them a chance to be really good, I don't see petty jealousy on this team right now. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of petty jealousy on a lot of teams. Basketball, football, baseball, everything. There's petty jealousy in that locker room lots of times. Nobody talks about it, but it's there. And I honestly don't sense that on this team. And I wondered how all that was going to work. I didn't wonder about, you know, who's going to score the points or do they have enough basketballs out there. I wondered how all these egos would work. And so far, so good. What do you credit that to? Oh, I think, number one, I think you've got good players and good kids. I think part of it, too, is they understand that Muss is all business. I think they also understand that Arkansas's mission is to win a championship. And these guys are accustomed to winning championships. They're not just good players. They've played on winning teams. And they've dominated winning over the course of their lives. And, you know, 
I don't say this. Ty, this may be part of your vocabulary, but game appreciates game. Game (laughs) appreciates game. And I think those guys – I think those guys appreciate one another's abilities. I think they love playing with each other. And I think that as great as the parts are, I think they realize the sum can be even greater. And I think they realize that and they bought into that. Yeah, I wonder how much they together get the sense that we only got one chance, guys. That's only, it. I mean, this team's only going to play Absolutely. together. One time, and there, th- this 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 roster will not come back together go back, next year. Go back to a question that was asked in the post game press conference, and it was like, "Well, you might only get a chance to play one year here." Anthony goes, "Hopefully," insinuating that yeah. he wants to get drafted this next year. And to Chuck's point, game recognizes game. That's the best way to say it on that. But I think what all what I noticed about Nick Smith Jr. in high school is Nick was always very apt to get his teammates involved first, and then when he needed to take over, he did. Some players aren't like that, kind of like you were saying, Chuck. They want the ball immediately to go, go, go. But Nick was never like that in high school. And I think that Anthony Black, watching him play, he doesn't care if he scores 26 points. If he needs to, he will. But he'll also go for 10 assists like we've seen him try to do these last few games. Well, you know, you may have a guy that averages 35 or 40, but if he's good, but if he does not have a complete game as a high schooler, you know he might average thirty five in high school. But if he doesn't have a complete game, he's not going to be a five star. He's going to be a four star. Um, you don't get to be a five star until you got a complete game. You don't become a McDonald's All American without a complete game. You got to be able to do everything, and um, that's what you get when you get five stars. You get thirty five a game, guys that can't guard anyone. Um, they're going to go play for somebody else. Like a five-tool in baseball. Well, very similar. Very similar. I think what else stood out to me in the the pressers, when Jordan Walsh was asked about just kind of the camaraderie or whatever within the team, he said, my goal each and every game is to get Lawson Blake, Fayetteville High School, and then Kate Arbogast eight minutes a game. That's what he said. He said, I want to get these guys eight minutes. In order to do that, you got to beat a team by 30 or 40 early. That's his goal. I do know one of the things a lot of them say before the game is that uh, we got to get Caden Lawson in tonight, <laughs> which, means, which means that uh, we're ready to run these guys off yeah. the floor. Well, I, Musk made a point after the game because he mentioned the four players from last year. And when he said that, I had to think a minute, and then he mentioned Cade by name when he had them right. talk to the team uh, prior to the game about the loss to Hofstra and how they felt and the emotions following that game and yeah, he brought them up by name and involved them in that conversation with their teammates. And uh, I'll be honest, when he said the four from last year, I'm like, wait a minute, I only remember two. two the, yeah. I remember the two well, walk-ons. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think sometimes we forget is that just because a guy's a walk-on and just because he doesn't play a lot and we don't see him play a lot doesn't mean he doesn't have a powerful voice in that locker room. I'm going to tell you, Kate Arbogast has a powerful voice in that locker room. And, um, you know, Lawson does too. These are guys that uh, they go through it every day. Did you see the way the team exploded a few games back when Cade scored that three? They don't get up and cheer like that for somebody they don't like, somebody they don't respect. Um, You know, Cade's voice is powerful. And even though Devo getting up to speak to the team probably drew more attention because he was the one out there, um, I guarantee you that what those other guys said had a lot to do with things, too. So you got one more non-conference game before conference play against LSU. You also have the non-conference game against Baylor. Other reason my dad went 
Tommy is because he called. He said I wanted to scout the Razorbacks because he's going down to Waco to scout. see when they so turn in a report. I guess yeah, right? okay. I, I got a kick out of that. You fax that into the home office. I guess he's going to send it to Scott Drew and Baylor. <laughs> he just needs to text Scott Drew and say these guys are good. Yeah, uh, he, he's uh, good luck, Coach. I'll, I'll give I'll give Scott Drew credit. He actually responded to my dad's email 15 years ago whenever Baylor came in and uh, ended up meeting. They ended up meeting before the game, which I thought was kind of cool. But that's the lone other non-conference game you have. So, Chuck, you have a chance as of Wednesday night to have a really stellar non-conference record before you enter conference oh, yeah. play. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is about, you know, it's kind of hard to think a team's always going to go through non-conference unbeaten, or really it's kind of hard to plan on that. But I think to be where they are right now, uh, this is a good team. It's going to be a really good upper third of the conference. So they're going to need to be good because I think the upper third may be as strong as it's been. So um, Arkansas is certainly in that group. Guys, Christmas week, season of giving. And that brings me to Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. And here's why. A few years ago, they, they, they started a program where the company and their participating agents would donate a portion of the closing cost every time they made a deal. They donate a portion of the closing cost to Arkansas Children's Northwest, and they do it in the name of the client. Sounded like a good idea, caught on. So here we are a few years later, and they've donated almost a quarter million dollars to Arkansas Children's Northwest. That's a lot of money for a wonderful facility. And uh, so the reason I tell you all that is, yeah, they are trained real estate professionals, and they do know how to get you from contract to close, and they do know how to negotiate. All those things you need, they know how to do. But they're also part of the community as well. It's a worthwhile cause, and I just thought you needed to know that about them. Now, they've got an office in Fayetteville. There's another one in Springdale. They're in Bentonville, Fort Smith. They've got an office in Branson, Missouri. You're going to see their yellow signs all over town, and you can log on to WeikertGriffin.com. I did my best to keep track of all the football news over the weekend. I guess we can start with the uh, potential new defensive coordinator, Travis Williams, that's being reported. Uh, Chuck, what's your read on the possibility of him becoming the Arkansas D.C.? Well, he's an SEC guy, and I think that's important, particularly, uh, you know, from a recruiting standpoint. And, um, you know, the uh, I'll be interested to see, and it, and it certainly sounds like he's the one. It's not official yet, but from what we understand, Pittman's already talked about him to some of the recruits. So, um, obviously, at least it seems obviously, he's going to be the guy. I think the question is, what's his staff going to look like? This is a linebacker's coach. Um, what does that mean for Michael Shearer? Um, sometimes you've got a guy that comes in as a D.C. and you look at a linebacker's coach, hey, young guy, recruits well, got a good position. I can coach safeties. I'll, I'll coach the safeties, and I'll keep this guy. Um, I don't know what it means in terms of the overall staff. I know that um, you know, reading some of the comments that the, uh, uh, the defensive linemen they've looked at made, um, you know, it, it sounds like obviously they want to get after the quarterback from the edge. And so, you know, there, there, there are common traits, I think, in a lot of these defenses. Um, you know, I didn't break down all of Travis's Williams tape last night. I'll admit that. But I do know so you'll that, be doing that tonight. Yeah, I'll be okay, doing that tonight. Now, nah, got Musa's show tonight. Sorry. But uh, um, <laughs> I do know that, you know, back when he played, Auburn was really good defensively. Um, Gus thought a lot of him. He was on Gus's staff for seven years at Auburn. He was a co-DC by the end. And, um, you know, so it sounds like, and again, coaching and recruiting go hand in hand. And you better be really good at both. And right now, recruiting is really important. Friday when Sam Pittman 
shared some of his thoughts with us. He he was pretty clear when he was asked. I mean, he wasn't giving names, obviously, but hey, here's what I'm looking for. I want someone that can run more, you know, that believes in more four-man front. As you said, get after the quarterback. He laid out kind of what he was looking for, and I believe 100% he knew exactly the name in that press conference. Well, we I need a guy to- that can recruit. I think that's a, a big part. Uh, I'll never forget when I went to Georgia, Kirby said, you got to change your room. You have to especially with the portal going on right now. You've got to have somebody that can recruit. I'd like to have somebody that's multiple. I'd like to get enough to a four-man front more. I think that our strengths go to that a little bit more now than what we were in the past. And he wanted to add prior to that statement that that wasn't being critical of Barry Odom, but that was something he's looking for in the future. Well, I think one thing you got to consider in all this is that sometimes when it comes to coordinators, we give the coordinator too much credit in terms of what they're going to run. Sam Pittman's a head coach. He laid out right there what he wanted in his defensive coordinator. Um, you know, again, sometimes as fans, we think, well, he's just going to turn the keys to the offense or the defense over to this guy. And that's why when people were saying, well, you can't sign a guy without a defensive coordinator, sure you can. That defensive coordinator and those offensive coordinators, they work for that head coach. It's that head coach's philosophy. If that head coach is waiting to implement a defensive philosophy until he hires his defensive coordinator, he's 100 yards behind everybody else. And just as he had a plan to hire a strength and conditioning coach, the minute that plane landed from Missouri, he's had an idea about which direction he wanted to go. And I'm not saying he knew day one Travis Williams was his guy. But I'm saying he probably had a pretty good idea he was going to be in the pool. And beyond that, he knew exactly what he wanted out of his defensive coordinator. These coordinators work for the head coach. It's not just their philosophy. They are implementing the philosophy of the head coach. And so I think Sam had a pretty good idea all the way through this exactly what he wanted. Basketball is back, and Bet Online is your number one source. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. All right, so we had our Christmas party on Friday, and it was uh, a lot of fun at the All-American Steakhouse in Springdale. Appreciate them taking care of us. And we were going through our different Dirty Santa Christmas gifts of our, I think, 27 employees or 28, whatever it is. And it got to Chuck. Chuck opened his up and ended up being, what was the brand, Tommy? A what? Hair dryer? I know it was a nice one. Because all the all when, I, when I put it on social media, all the gals were like, oh, my gosh, I want that well, so bad. Listen, you know, I hand-select every one of these gifts. I do, I, you know, that's one thing that, one of the one of the great joys of this job is when we get to this time of the year, I go out and I do all the shopping. And I want to get a few gifts that were, you know, definitely guys' items, and I got, well, you know, half of our workforce is female, so I got some specific female items. And I thought when I bought it, how funny, because we got Chuck, we got Phil, we got Lance, we got a few that, uh, that don't sport much cabbage up on top all right so you know so i thought it'd be funny if one of them ended up and that's what it ended up being but guys i was shocked how much money 
you can spend on a hairdryer or a curling iron. And this was several hundred dollars, this one item. But it doesn't end there. You can spend four, five, six hundred dollars on a hairdryer. I was I was <sighs> blown away. Makes me want to go home and start look. Maybe I don't want to go home and start looking at hair dryers. I've been out of the hair dryer market for a while, <laughs> but uh, um, I uh, you I was were briefly little, in it. Friday, I was so. a little surprised by that, but fortunately for me, and you know, you call it dirty Santa. Some people call it white element, uh, white elephant gifts. I mean, you start passing all this stuff around, stealing gifts, and um, it was a very popular item among the uh, female members of our staff, all of whom are young and attractive, and hair dryers are big deals. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, well, I'll be honest, I really bought it with Ty in mind. I mean, that's really who I bought it, you know, thinking of. Shame could, I missed could out could on use it. it yeah. more than probably anyone. I well, you know, I, I, I kept having, the what, what was that, that old commercial where Fabio was using the blow dryer? <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of like how it would be with Ty. You remember when, Ed, Chuck, you remember uh, when, when Sam brought up Fabio with Cage earlier this yeah, year. He didn't he's know like, who he was. He's like, who's I Fabio? I didn't know if you'd know it either. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but I got a kick out of it. Oh, so what do you actually you want? What do you actually want for Christmas? I'm going to get a new pair of boots and figure out that that's going to be my purchase since Tommy mocked my dead grandpa's boots when we were at the Garth Brooks concert. <laughs> you just need to step your game up. You know? The sentiment, you spoke to your dad's crocs that you wear for sentimental value and chuck tommy is just railing me about these boots i'm wearing a car i was like tommy well, these i mean you, my, you've worn them to the skins my, coming off of them i mean you know the, the, they're the, sentimental just like uh, your crocs no you, you dug yourself a hole you're not getting no, out of this I'm, no i mean you're, you're not getting out of this i'm not trying That's, to get out of it so i'm gonna get a new pair of boots just so i don't have tommy mocking my dead grandpa's pair of boots <laughs> that i wear i'm gonna <laughs> lean into that a lot this morning what do you guys actually want for christmas wow. You know, I, I got everything I need. That's, if I want something, I just go get it. That's right. I got everything I need. Socks. <laughs> Give me some socks, Ty. <laughs> some socks and some underwear. You yeah. know, the guys list. Yeah. The guys list socks. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what I'm going to end up with. The, the gift card I got is just buying some some new underwear because apparently I'm just, I don't shower You got anymore. the Duluth Trading Company did. card, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. so I'm going to go That's buy. a good place to shop. Okay. I hear, I, I, I went in to get the card. I was amazed at all the stuff they had in there. Okay. So. Hey, I got to mention this. The benevolence of Matt Jones. <laughs> at one point in the uh, Christmas party, <laughs> I had in front of me a, uh, uh, the prize was four dozen Pro V1 golf balls. I had you, in, stolen I had you in mind when I got that. I'd yeah. stolen that from somebody else. Well, Matt stole it from me. And when we were done, I think he was a little embarrassed. He came up and offered me a dozen Pro V1 golf balls. <laughs> said, here, man, you go ahead and take these. And uh, I said, well, Matt, I'll lose them the first time I play. Yeah. But uh, that was very nice of uh, Now, Chuck, let's be honest. If you hit a golf ball, you don't hit the same one again. You're one of those guys. You hit it once, and then it's you never use it again. Well, right? you know, you got to find it. And that's because I hit it so far. <laughs> I mean, uh, Out of bounds. Yeah, you know, when you hit it as far as I do, it takes a while to find it. It's way left. It's just what he's making. The one time Chuck graced me with his presence when it was just off playing golf, I lost a $200 pair of Ray-Bans. I was so I mad. I that. I was – I have never – and. 
Now, this was before I knew I was allowed to swear profusely around Chuck, so I didn't say it. <laughs> I didn't say it a I lot of the time. I didn't know what to say. But I, I was, was just laughing. like, I was, we were driving around, and I was like, where? And I was I was basically pulling a Gus Mouse on saying, where in the dog crap are these sound like, <laughs> Saying all these words that I never, ever say. I just yeah. use the actual word. But, yeah, so you didn't say yours. Chuck said socks and boxers. You said you'd go by. Give me something. Come on, give our listeners something to chew on this morning. Hmm. There's something that you want. That you need desperately. I'll tell you what I'm going to probably buy myself. So I may go down to Jelco a little bit later. They've got okay. these battery-operated jackets, battery-powered heated jackets. Oh, okay. And I think I'd really like one of those to fish in because there's there's days like, I'm not going to fish when it's one degree, but there's days when it's 30 or 40 and it's cold on the water and you put one of those uh, battery packs in it, those USB packs in there and it powers the, the the heating coils and that i think i'm gonna give me one of those okay i'd say that's a, a good gift now, a heated jacket la- last thing on this chuck not that jackets uh, aren't already heated but you know what i mean i was gonna buy clay's been extremely nice to me lately and so i was gonna buy him something he's not gonna get a sack of coal for me you worked with him for countless number of years i guess you have too what would be a good gift for the prestigious clay henry that he would actually enjoy who using. by the way ended up with this he sent me a picture he was ha- making cocktails with it. he got the sonic nugget ice maker he, did. He's, he took that from me yeah he stole that from you that's Chuck right got, he took that from me he Chuck sent me a, a picture like five times what'd I, you end up with me yeah um i ended up with a roomba oh that, yeah, that's right you took that and from i me. selected it i yeah. selected the well, roomba. i was glad you did because we i've already got one so i was glad i didn't have two what so. did you what did you end up getting <laughs> And what did you end up with? Did you get the alcohol? I ended up with booze. I ended up with the Ulta two hundred dollar gift card for Laura. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's the season of giving, Tommy. You didn't get Jack <laughs> and all the rest of us got, got good stuff. I got two hundred bucks to to Ulta. So. Sweet. I was hoping maybe to get the Kentucky tickets or the Alabama tickets. Those were two hotly contested they really prizes were. as well. Kentucky tickets were big. Matt didn't even want them. I looked at him and I was just like, are you stupid? Well, or are you stu- no, 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 no. Not, not, Matt, not Matt Jones. Matt Mock. I looked at him. Oh. Are you like, are you stupid? Like, well, he, he's got the Bama tickets, which is even in some ways a better deal because the Alabama tickets, A, it's coming right up. There's dinner at Sassy's, the parking pass. And with the Bama game, since it's a 6 o'clock game, I threw in a half a day off. Because it's a weeknight, 6 like o'clock start. Take yeah. Well, like they, they were going to do anything. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't don't hey, get, Pat me on the back a little bit. Here. Don't wake him up from his afternoon nap. Don't act like our sales staff does anything after lunch. <laughs> Come on, Tommy. Yeah. All right, that's your Morning Rush Daily Question brought to you by Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Professional people, professional service. Schedule your service appointment today at gopascal.com. All right, there's a question I failed to ask in hour number one when it comes to the defensive coordinator position, and that goes to my lack of experience. Are they going to keep anyone on the staff? Is Michael Scherer going to stay on? Are they going to keep any single dude? on this defensive staff if Travis Williams is indeed the guy. You know, when well, when, when that was posed, Chuck, to, to Coach Pippen on Friday, I, I, I thought he danced pretty well <laughs> around what was going on with, with the staff that's still in hand, and basically that they're here they're here right now. Well, they got a ball game to play, yeah. number one, and they're coaching, and that's the most important thing. You can't, um, um, you know, you find out sometimes how important these games are when you don't win. 
And so, uh, you know, they're 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 full steam ahead to beating Kansas. And some of these guys may or may not be here next year, but they're coaching in this game. And so they're working right now. And you've got to number one, you got to depend on their professionalism. But by the same token, you've also got to treat them professionally. And that's what they're trying to do, I'm sure. Sometimes, and and I always look and see what position the coordinator coaches, and is he married to that position. Most of these guys can coach multiple positions, and um, you know what do you do? As I mentioned earlier, I mean Travis Williams has been a linebackers coach. Um, you know that sometimes means the current position coach leaves. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you want to keep that guy for a variety of reasons, and you go coach a different spot like safeties. And, um, you know, we're just going to have to see what the decisions are. I don't know if it's going to be a complete new staff. Would not surprise me if there are changes. Um, but, um, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see how that plays out. But, but, but you do. You've, you've got to defer to the game. You've got to defer to the game when it comes to this stuff because you owe it to these kids to prepare them in the best way possible. And so I'm sure that's what they're trying to do right now. So he brings up my, Michael Scherer's brought up in, in the questioning on Friday, and he says, well, it's, as far as I know, Michael Scherer and Barry Odom haven't spoken about a position at UNLV. Now, wink, now wink, i got to call nudge. Bull Butter on this one. <laughs> and I understand that's the politically correct thing to say, but I can't imagine there's been no conversation between the two. Well, I think maybe you know the better way to put it might be they've not had meaningful conversation about it. In no. other words, they hadn't got down to the money. Um, and I think that, you know, we take for granted that everybody that coaches college football is rich. That's what everybody thinks. Oh, they're rich. Um, they make more money than your average Joe, that's for sure. But, you know, money's got a lot to do with this, where you are in your life and where you are in your career. Like, I'll give you an example. Bobby Petrino going to UNLV. Got nothing to lose. Got nothing to lose. He's made his money, earned his reputation. Uh, his kids are in the business. If this thing falls apart out there at UNLV, life goes on. And let's be honest. They're trying to do something there nobody's done before. You know, we're sitting here talking about, you know, this, uh, this and that at UNLV. I wish them nothing but the best. But if they win consistently, they'll be the first ones to do it. So, um, but from a Petrino perspective, he's got nothing to lose. You take a young coach. What if you go out there and, you know, nobody plans on it not working out? But what if it doesn't? Where are you then? As opposed to, you know, coaching maybe in the Southeastern Conference or a Power Five league. So I think there are lots of things coaches have to think about. Um, and, and, again, where they are in their life. Do they have a wife? Do they have kids? How many mortgages are they working on right now? They got one or are they still mm-hmm. trying to sell their house from the last place they were? How many things they got going on right now? All that stuff factors in, and each situation's different. Mortgages keep you all up at night. I keep hearing. I know you always talk about that. It adds to the plate. Mm. I haven't jumped on that train well, just Well, most yet. of these coaches, you know, when you move around in a nomadic lifestyle the way they do, you're buying or selling a house pretty much, you know, pretty regularly. Yeah. I mean, pretty regularly. You got your real estate agent on speed dial. Yeah. So, no, because I've got – one mortgage, so I'm not really worried about it at night. So, uh, but I, I get exactly what Chuck's saying because we've heard from coaches here, not just head coaches, but coordinators and assistants that still owned a home in Knoxville, Tennessee, even though they were coaching defensive very, line very here. Common. 
It, very, it, yeah. very common. Airbnb. Particularly when the market isn't right. Tell me the uh, the million dollar home's not doing well on Airbnb or, or VRBO or well, whatever. Well, no, it's, I mean, and, they're, they're and, not trying to do that. They're trying to sell it. You and know? to take it a step further, look at this guy that, you know, they hired from Stanford. You brought this up the other day, Ty. I didn't know what his salary was and still don't. But I know whatever he's making here is going to spend a whole lot better than it yeah. does out there. So all those things factor in when a coach makes a decision. And it's not just the the surface stuff that we see. That's obviously got a lot to do with it. But these are real people with real families and similar situations that you know, many of us find ourselves in. So um, it's not always as cut and dried as, you know, as it might seem. Pitt also said in his 20-some-odd minutes with the media Friday that today was really the day they started focusing in on Kansas. Yeah, they and, do their uh, Kansas prep today. They've done, they've done some, had some practice time, but really, I, I guess they're trying to identify probably some, you know, some of these younger players that maybe can play. I thought another interesting point was the fifth game rule uh, that probably needs to be uh, brought up again. That the NCAA, because of all the transfers, Chuck, they're going to allow freshmen that have already gotten four games in to have a fifth without losing that red shirt. Yeah, they pretty much had to do that, I think, or some teams would have struggled to, you know, field a squad out there for a for a you know for a bowl game but uh, i think i think that's a good rule hey you got to get ready to win you can't just get ready to play you got to get ready to win i'm gonna tell you something kansas is excited about this game the liberty bowl people that were in north little rock at halftime i just happened to be listening to the kansas indiana game on xm that morning around noon i guess one o'clock they were there at halftime and did the same thing that they did in north little rock up at allen Fieldhouse. And, I mean, you'd have thought the Beatles had walked out on the stage the way the crowd went nuts. Head coach spoke. Big deal to them is what I'm saying. Kansas is coming to Memphis to whip our butt. And you better be ready because, um, you know, we're talking about who's going to coach what and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that's not important. But you got to get these guys ready to go win a ball game. Not just play, but win a ball game. We got a chance to talk with Steve Earhart last week, and then also he he's the executive director of the Liberty Bowl. He was also in Little Rock talking at halftime, and he was talking about there's good seats still available in Memphis for the Arkansas side, some good seats. If you're still interested in going, you can do that. I thought another interesting note about this game is Dald Wagner is going to play. There were some questions whether he's going to or not. Here's what he said this past Friday. There's a really good part of me that was like playing in a pretty good East-West game, need to get ready for the draft, combine, all that stuff. Then there's that other part of me which spoke a lot louder of, man, I'd really like to play one more. I'd really like to go out the right way, finish my season up as a captain the right way, finish my season up as a teammate, as a friend, and as a, you know, just as a player to be able to go out there one last time, wear the hog uniform, because I, I felt like I would have regretted it a lot more if I had opted out versus if I didn't opt out. Do we think of players differently, like Dalton, like Bryce Young and Will Anderson, who are both suiting up for Alabama in their Sugar Bowl game? Do we think of those guys differently than the guys that are opting out, getting ready for the draft? We do, yes. Um, now, sometimes, you know, this will matter in 10 years, and sometimes it won't, but I think it's only natural. But, you know, let's be honest. As fans, we want the best players to play. You know, if the best players play, we're going to give them credit for everything they do. If the best players don't play, we're going to find fault in everything they do. That's just kind of how it works. But, um, you know, this is, to me, it's another example of how there is not a meaningless game. You know, there may be minor bowl games that don't factor into the college football playoff. There's no such thing as a meaningless game. There's no such thing. 
And um, for these kids, when you hear Dalton Wagner talk, um, this is a meaningful game. It's the last time he's going to put on that uniform. Might be the last time he ever plays in a game. His family's going to be there. That same mom and dad that took him to his first practice in a minivan 20 years, you know, 15 years ago, they're going to be there. So I think when people say that these are meaningless games, they, they may not mean a lot to you sitting in front of the television. And I get that. But if you're involved in it, it means a lot. And I think when you hear someone like Dalton Wagner talk, you realize that, you know, it's a lot more than just, you know, a 6-6 six and six team going to a bowl game a couple of days after Christmas. This cold weather and all the talk of the cold weather has made me think about my heater this week, and I would imagine I'm not alone in that respect. But it also needs to make you think about Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. This is the time of year when that planned protection program really kicks in because, you know, if you're on that, you've had up-to-date maintenance. You've had scheduled visits. They've made sure that your system's up and running well because this is the time of year when, man, you really do find out, um, you know, who the pros are and who the pros are not. And I can assure you, when you talk about Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric, you're talking about a, a company that's been in business for over 50 years. They've been in northwest Arkansas 50 years. Now, they've expanded pretty much all over the state. If you can hear me now, Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is going to be able to service you. They are pros. They are pros. They're not just Arkansas-owned and operated. They're Razorback-owned and operated. Charlie Boyce, great Razorback, owner and the, op- owner and the operator, third-generation HVAC operator. So these guys know what they're doing. Professional people professional service go pascal.com let's talk to charlie and canvin he's got some thoughts about the new defensive coordinator good morning charlie hey good morning guys. good morning guys how's it going good. hey um chuck you're making a good point uh about everything and the coaches and all that but you're right kansas is, it looks like the kansas fan base is definitely and the kansas team is a whole lot more excited than we are to go to this game and i think it kind of goes back to last year you look at it we were definitely really excited going into that Outback Bowl, whereas I didn't think Penn State might have been. I know we had Burks that opted out, but I think there were more players that opted out for them. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a game where I think Kansas – are we favored? I can't remember. What, what's the line on that game? Two-and-a-half-point favorites on the Bet Saracen app. Okay. Okay. Well, I, you know, it, it's going to be a – it's going to be a game that we're going to be challenged. You know, I'm glad that uh, Luke Jones and Dalton Wagner are playing probably more than, you know, I know everybody worried about who KJ was going to throw the ball to, but I'm more, I was more worried about who was going to protect him going into this game because I didn't want them going out there with, you know, basically almost three or four new starters on their offensive line if Wagner and Jones decided to opt out. That, that worried me even more than the wide receiver situation. So, I want to get you guys' thoughts on that, and uh, I'll hang up with. I think I think I think that's an excellent point. Um, you know, we talk about Dalton wanting to play. Luke Jones wants to play too. I mean, this is going to be his last game. He's he's moving on with his life. He's one of those guys that, you know, he's handled his business well, and he's ready to move on to the next phase of his life. But, you know, you look at Arkansas's offensive line. You know, Lemmers moved from guard to center. Well, Lemmers probably, you know, I think Lemmers going to play in the NFL as a center. So you move him from guard to center. You put Crawford in at guard. You got Latham at left guard. You still got your tackles. So your offensive line, obviously Stromberg's, you know, Stromberg's a great player, 
But, um, you know, Limmer's going to be the guy at that spot anyway. You're just playing one game before you do it in spring practice. And Limmer's a really good offensive lineman anyway. He's not going to have any problem at all making that transition. So I do think that's an encouraging thing. You know, it was interesting when, and I've heard people say this, they're more excited than we are. It kind of depends on how you define we. Um, as a fan base, are we as excited yeah. about going to Memphis as we were to Tampa? Well, no. It's going to be pretty cold in Memphis, too. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, as long as, the, as long as the we is in the locker room and those guys are ready to play, and that guy with the number one on his jersey is ready to play, uh, you'll have a chance to win the game. But there's no doubt Kansas is fired up to go. Kansas is fired up to be there, and they want to whip our butt. And there may not be a overwhelming sense of excitement with the fans today, but I'm going to guess in a week, around Christmas dinner tables, you get to the 24th, 5th, 6th, 7th, and then the 8th, there'll be some people ready to win a football game on game day. Well, that's one of the reasons I'm not up in arms about the crowd, the way the Liberty Bowl people are right now. They're worried about selling more tickets to Arkansas people. I've maintained this since the end of the last game. A lot of families in our state will do a head count on Sunday night. They'll uh, drive over on Wednesday, buy some tickets, go to the game, drive home, because they know they can. First Western Bank. We are more than just a bank. We are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Saw beats Bradley this Saturday inside of North Little Rock at Simmons Bank Arena, 76-57. I know a lot of you are wondering about Nick Smith Jr. Here's what Coach had to say about Nick. Got taped at halftime, and then the tape felt a little uncomfortable and didn't feel the need to really put him back in when he got taped up at halftime and then left to get retaped. And I discussed it on the bench quite a bit with Coach Smart because of his experience. Coach Arginal, the three of us talked about it. And with the flow and the way the game was going, just felt like there wasn't a need to put him back in at that juncture. I wouldn't play him Wednesday night. So here's the. Oh, I would. Well, yeah, I mean, there's nothing. But why did he need to be taped up at halftime? Well, I mean, because of the situation with his, you know, because you tape it up. I mean, if you, you know, guys get taped up all the time. I, I don't, I don't. I think every time the guy goes to the bathroom, people are wondering what's going <laughs> on. I, I just think some of this stuff is. Uh, you know, way beyond the pale. Well, um, but 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 that's only because he's missed so much time, and there's been right knee management, which has been vague at at, at a minimum. Well, so, I this mean, is this is the new curiosity. era. This is the new era. This is the new era. Well, but I, people I'm, are curious. I know. I understand that, but I think you know, um, asked and answered. I, I, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's that's the thing when you have a player like this. People ask questions, they get the answer. And, well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, you know, you, you know, I, I hear you. I hear you. I just don't think there's a big deal. Bob Holt's never not had a follow-up, though. So, I mean, if you're, <laughs> you're right about that. If you're expecting no follow-up on that, you're, no, just, you're, right you're about sadly that. mistaken. No, you're right about that. But I, I just, uh, um, 
I think this is how, this is the new this is how it is now. Yeah, well, I mean, this is just how it is. Right knee management. People are going to ask questions. Well, I think the well, you got to remember too. All these guys now, they've always had handlers, so to speak, but they were kind of in the shadows. Now the handlers are at the forefront. And if you think that great players, you know, these lottery guys that are in their one year of college basketball, if you think that what they do at times is not dictated by outside forces, um, you know, I'm telling you it does. I'm telling you it does. I think he wants to play. My my point was you could give him potentially a week off in a Wednesday night game. You don't need him to win, right? Well, That's, I, well, you don't know that, number one. And number two, guys, you, this is your last game before the conference opener. Your last game. Boy, I mean, we sat here and talked a few minutes ago about, you know, getting off to a good start in conference play. This 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 idea that hey we'll 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 hold the guy out here and throw him out there next week when it matters I, more. I mean, you don't know that you're not going to screw everything up. Mm-hmm. And to, I, I I hear your point, and I think there's some validity into it, but that also means he only played 20 minutes in 11 days. I don't think that's mm-hmm. good either. Well, the point where I'm coming from, and I don't know if when we get to March that'll happen, but you you can't. I'll, I'll say what everyone's saying. You can't make a final four without Nick Smith Jr. If we're still having these issues in March. We won't be. We uh, I, I I get that, but um, there's what let's let's think about this. This game against Bradley, Europe, the time leading up to when he first started playing non-conference play. I mean, that's three different situations that we found ourselves having to discuss about Nick and his yeah, but injury. This, this one feels and overblown concerns. a little bit Saturday, even this with the combination the of the other two. Which I, mean, I think yeah. I think Nick was pressing. Nick was pressing. I think he wanted to put on a show in front of his fans. Um, I think that that was part of the way, um, you know, when things are going well and you're playing the way they were in the second half, um, your obligation as the head coach is to, you know, keep that moving, keep that going. And that's what they did. And so, you know, again, because of Smith's status, I think, number one, we all expected him to go out and score 30. You know, everybody did. Um, I, I said it myself. I, I mean, Z and I were talking before we went on the air about how, you know, Nick could go off today. I mean, he really could. And then it didn't happen. And I think he was pressing a little bit. And, um, you know, you don't want to, when you're playing well, um, things are rolling, you put somebody back in there, and, you know, everybody knows that everyone in the stands is wanting him to take over. You know, they want to watch him put on a show. Well, you're already putting on a show. Um, why screw it up? Let's get to some more news. I know this is uh, heartbreaking for some fans. Jalen Catalan has entered his name in the transfer portal along with Arkansas's own Isaiah Nichols. I know a lot of people love Jalen and what he's done for Arkansas. He's had a slew of injuries that have kept him off the field, but that was one of the big pieces that you lost well, over the weekend. I, I guess thought on the, Friday. I, the Isaiah Nichols story, I guess that was Saturday when he entered the portal. Was And, and Coach Pippen talked about this phrase. He's leaning that direction. And then it was later on where he made it official. I Chuck, I thought Isaiah Nichols entering the portal was a much bigger deal just because he's had a greater impact. Well, I think Isaiah's done a good job. Um, I think he's played hard and he's um, he's 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 done a good job. Uh, but I think they'll I think they'll replace that that spot. Catalan's uh, you know Catalan's a different deal. Jalen may just need a different place to play. I mean, it's almost seemed like he's been star-crossed here, um, and. Um, you know, he was hurt, and then he came back and, you know, got re-injured. And when you think about 
Catalan, I mean, once he played six or seven games the last two years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've, you've not gotten as much bang for your buck there, so to speak. And he may just feel like, I need to go to a different spot and uh, put all this injury stuff, put everything behind me, and, and just begin somewhere else. I'm not sure what his thinking was. I've not talked to mm-hmm. him, but I can't help but wonder that. And Coach Piven even talked about maybe just going right into the NFL and, and entering the draft might. process might be might yeah. be part of the plan. So. More uh, Arkansas football news. Steven Johnson, defensive tackle out of Georgia, and Jaden Ham, who's the four-star tight end, one of the three that you have decommitted over the weekend. Jaden out of Eudora, Kansas. I don't know where he's going to end up. Same with Steven Johnson. And you also, Chuck, you brought this earlier. Luke Jones not coming back for next year. So you're now down, I guess, 21 guys as we're two days out from early national signing period, which is the 21st to the 23rd. I felt like going into the offseason, and I told people this, there's going to be 40 new guys on the team next year. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be that, that massive. Um, I'm not surprised by any of this. I got to be honest with you. I, I'm I'm not surprised by any of this. I knew it was coming, guys. You know, you can't again out of one side of your mouth say this is unacceptable. Things have got to change, and then freak out when things change. I, I I mean that's what's going on right now, and we're gonna and I I know people get tired of me saying it, but we're gonna have to wait till all the dust settles on this when all the comings and goings end, and your roster set, your coaching staff set, and let's see where we are. I think that, you know, when you read between the lines and you listen to what Coach Pittman has to say, there is a plan in place. Now, it may not be, you know, he's not calling us all up and cluing us in on what the long-term vision is, but he's got a plan in place. All right, that's going to do it for your Hog Update. It's brought to you by Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. Feel bad for the Dallas Cowboy fans yesterday. Pick six in overtime. Jacksonville Jaguars win at home against Dak Prescott and company. Now, they did get a playoff spot with the Giants winning last night over Washington, but uh, you would have loved to have that one last night, and the one seed in the NFC looks kind of out of reach at this point with Philly winning yesterday. No, they're not going to get that. They were never going to get that. That was a frustrating game yesterday, Um, you know, the way it ended and all that. It's pro football, though, guys. uh, you know, guys play gray one week, and the next week it's almost like mentally they've taken the week off. And uh, Dallas Dallas is better than Jacksonville, but they weren't yesterday. Jacksonville's playing well right now. And, yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it was a bad loss all the way around. Bad loss. Were you up early watching uh, the World Cup final yesterday? Were you were you as stoked as, you know, as everyone else on penalty kicks? I shared this with Matt Jones yesterday. This is, this is how it happened for me on Sunday, yesterday. I'm getting ready to watch the Cowboys and the Jags play. So I, you know, switched it over about 10 till. Well, they're in the penalty kicks. So, uh, you know, I I feel like I'm tuning in at the right time. I watched the penalty kicks. I watched it end, and it's great. It's a great finish. Exciting a finish as you can have in a in a major sports moment. I, I just don't know how it could get. But I watched the last 10 minutes, and I felt like I'd watch the whole thing. That was the best part. I think I think you're right too. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can 
get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned. Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Get into what Sam Pittman had to say about NIL. Here's Coach on this whole process. I still don't believe in buying players. I believe in somebody who wants to come to the university and then you talk about, you know, what they might be able to do in their name, image, and likeness program. But, yeah, the way of football going right now is disturbing a little bit. What y'all think about his comments? Well, I agree with him. I agree with him. And, you know, NIL is a very real deal. I mean, it's – guys, it's a real – in the course of the season, it's not just recruiting. I mean, these – um, you know, there's somebody wanting something all the time, and it's a lot different than it was now. They, uh, uh, and I think very correctly, uh, teach these players how to maximize their value. Well, all of us sometimes have a different sense of what our value is, and uh, sometimes people perhaps get a little bit sense of, you know, greater sense of what their value is than it really is mm-hmm. when they start asking for stuff. There is buying of players going on. Teams are buying players off other rosters. I mean, they're doing it right now. They're doing it today. It'll happen before the day's over. Somebody will buy a player off somebody else's roster. And that's basically what's going on right now. You've got everything from average players coming in saying, I need a better car, to dads with their hotshot quarterback saying it's going to take, you know, $1.5 million over four years to get me. Both those things happen, and I'm not skewing my numbers when I say that. That happens. And so NIL is, it is I think it's here to stay. I don't know what it's going to look like moving forward, but um, this is a very real part of recruiting. It is a very real part of recruiting. Its importance cannot be, in my opinion, overstated. It, it's, uh, um, it is the elephant in the room. So I just pulled up Drew Sanders' NIL evaluation profile and on three. What do you think it is? I don't know. Tell us. $856,000 Okay. Is what he's being evaluated right okay. now. I don't All know right. if he made that or not this past year. I have no idea. But I'm I would guess not. I would guess that you were talking about handlers earlier, Chuck, with the basketball guys. I would guess that there are consistently people, it's probably the agents that these guys have now, are reading these, onto these, and when they feel like their guy's not getting what again, the market says they should get, that becomes an issue well, in that locker room. Well, what the market says you can get is based on numbers somebody spit out from their brain. I mean, it's not as though there's, you know, they can 
punch stuff into a computer and start crunching all this data, but you don't know how accurate all the data is going to be. Um, hey, I'm from a different school. Uh, I think you earn your money and then you get paid. Um, I don't uh, – and it started with coaches' contracts, frankly. Used to you had to win before you got the big contract. Now you get the big contract in, in hopes that you win. Um, you know, all this money up front thing. Paid in advance. Yeah. This stuff, uh, that, uh, that ain't real. Uh, that's not the real world. No. That's not what it's going to be like. No. Some of these guys, very frankly, are making more money right now than they'll ever make in their whole lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about that. Um, you know, and look, uh, I'll, I'll take a, you know, there's, I think, a KJ and other, other player, other schools have players like this too. I mean, you're, 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 you're not going to be a super high draft pick if you go pro, which means your money's not going to be guaranteed. Um, or, or you can go back and be an NIL quarterback somewhere and make more guaranteed money than you would have made, you know, hoping to latch onto a roster. So all that stuff's balanced right now, and everybody's got to balance it. But, look, the, the numbers are skewed on value. Guys are getting paid way, way above market value for tasks that people that work for a living don't get paid that kind of rate to do. And if these guys think it's going to be like that when they're 30, they are in for a very, a rude, very rude, rude awakening. And my question in all of this is, if you're, I know that the idea is we've got to do more for our student athletes. We got to give them some money, and I don't totally disagree with that idea. But there's got to be some teaching in there of what real market value is, yes. uh, because some of these guys have a very overstated sense of what it's going to be like when they get out of school. And you're not going to get your money up front. And if you're not doing the job, you're not going to lose your starting position. You're going to get fired. And, um, you know, some of this stuff, I, I think, beyond the good intentions, um, I, I just don't know that we're really preparing these kids for what the world's actually going to be like. It's pretty evident that we've gone well beyond seven-figure needs for a football program, and now we're into eight-figure needs to maintain. You need to be $10 million probably at your disposal if you're a, a program to, to handle these demands. And, you know... If private individuals and businesses are going to pony up at that level, where's the return on the investment? You know, this was intended originally Winning. for a guy to, you know, for a player to be able to make a deal with a local businessman to come and make an appearance, sign some autographs, and this has went way, way beyond that. Well, most business people, when they invest in something, particularly to the level we're talking about, Chuck, they expect a return on that investment. I thought that, too, initially. I don't think that anymore. I think the NIL, when you look at a lot of the foundations for, di- for, for, for different athletic departments, um, you're, you're basically asking people to double their money. Um, You've got to have the money that you've had to operate your program, uh, but then you've got to have plenty of NIL money, too, to go out and buy the players. I think NIL is a lot like you know what we call big boosters, they're paying for access. They're paying for access. They can go tell their buddies when they play golf that week that, yeah, <laughs> I talked to this guy this week, and he's doing this for me. And let me tell you, that's a very real part of all this. So I think if you're winning, I think it's going to be just like donations to your private foundation. If you're winning, money is going to go through the roof. If you're not, you're going to have a hard time raising it. You've got to have the right guy 
the people have to believe in your coach. Now, hey, I'll give Ole Miss credit. Somehow they managed to lose three three games in a row at the end of the year, and everybody's rich. But uh, um, you know, it, it's it's more oftentimes than not that's a reflection on how people feel about the direction of the program. And if you're winning, you're going to have more money. I thought like you did, Tommy. I thought that initially. They're going to want to return on their investment. But no more so than any booster to any college program wants a return on their investment. They're paying for two things, access, and they're paying to be close to it when the times are good. Now, the NCAA is currently going through a leadership change. I don't remember the Maryland governor's name, but he's taking over for Mark Emmert. And I just wanted – there are rules that are just blatantly being disregarded by everyone that are attached to NIL – is there is there a is there an effort to to enforce these rules or is this just is the horse way too out of the barn at this point? Well, there will be an effort, but I don't think there's anything that we have seen over the last twenty years that gives anyone confidence that the NCAA is going to be able to uh, to enforce that. Um, what has happened over the last twenty years that makes anybody believe that no matter what rules they they come up with? that it's going to clean the slate and make a fair playing field. Um, I think theoretically, uh, we might all love to see that happen. But when you're talking about money, guys, and everyone knows this, once the horse has left the barn, it ain't coming back. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, people are making money, and people don't want to give up that money. And um, so I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to change. I said this at the very beginning. There's never been a system... Uh, invented by mankind that involves big money where the rich don't get richer and the poor don't get poorer. You can be guaranteed that's going to happen. And um, that's what this is, too. Let's take some calls on this. Let's go to Robert in Fort Smith. Robert, go ahead, man. Hey, guys. Part of me, though, in the next few years, I feel like they're playing with monopoly money with that because eventually, don't y'all think that kind of like the national government, you're going to keep spending and spending and if there isn't a return, I'm not even talking about the player, but that money's got to be put back in the coffin somewhere. And I know they're businesses, but, you know, I feel like some people are going to go into some major debt, like $8.9 trillion, you know, like the national government does. And I just want to see what y'all think about some of that. You know, I, I, I thought that initially, too. I don't think that anymore. Um, when the government needs more money, they raise your taxes. When they need more money for all this, they go where they're going, ESPN. Where does ESPN go to the corporate advertisers? What does that mean? It means a can of Coke's going up. Um, you know, all this stuff trickles down. All this stuff is ultimately paid for by the consumer. It's just like any other well, business out there. So um, Your cable bill raises is what I thought. I thought when this started, this is going to blow up. This bubble is going to burst. I don't know that I think that anymore. I, I, I just think that this is, uh, this is a monster, and I think we've let it get big so fast. I, I think, frankly, when we talk about rules and regulations, man, we're late to the game. <laughs> we're so late to the game, I don't know if you're going to be able to rein it in. I, I wish them well, but I don't know exactly how they're going to be able to pull that one off. Let's hear what Jimmy and Conway thinks about this. Jimmy, go ahead. Top of the morning, fellas. Hey, I just think it's a sad situation. Make make no mistake here. Also, these boosters that pay this big money for this to buy players, they want the access, but they want their team to win. That's right. And if they're not they're not winning, they're going to quit 
donate. They're going to get rid of coaches, and they're going to get somebody in there that will win. Well, but I see it as like uh, Major League Baseball. The richest teams in the biggest markets are going to get all the players, yeah. and everybody else is just going to be there for to kick around, basically. And I'm afraid that's what we're going to end up being. Yeah. And I think it's sad. It needs to be fair, the same for everybody. They need to cap it. They need to monitor it. There's, it's a wild, wild west out there. You know, we see this at Auburn, thanks for the call, Jimmy, where it, it appears, at least from the outside world, there's a handful of powerful boosters that seem to control everything. And I think we've set the table, guys, where in most situations, it will only be a handful that can afford to, to fund these programs at this level. The coaches at any, not just at Arkansas, are going to be beholden to this small group of power brokers. <laughs> Absolutely. Because if... Listen, if the coach doesn't do what I want to do, I'm going to turn the tap off on that money that goes to these these potential players and future recruits. Run the ball or else. Well, I mean, well it's, 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 it's always been this way to an extent, but I think it's glaring now. I think, for example, I think Auburn and Ole Miss know a lot more about the NIL than they did before with all the Lane Kiffin and the coach. I, I guarantee they invented you. invented it at Auburn. <laughs> I guarantee you their NIL coffers are a lot uh, lot closer to the top now than they were when that whole Kiffin process began. And, um, you know, the caller's right. I mean, people want to win. They want access. Nobody wants access to a loser. They want access <laughs> to a winner. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be just like your donations to your foundations. If you're winning, money's going to flow. If you're not, it's going to be hard to come by. Maybe it's just the current state of where we are as the three programs right now. I just don't think they're going to have issues with this in football or basketball and baseball as much as they will in football. Yeah, that's the I, again the bird's eye view well, where today, they are right now. And today, again, that's today. what I, that's what I said. Like, as, yeah. and maybe my state is kind of twisted by what they're doing right now, but uh, that's kind of the vantage point, I think, that's going to be an issue in the coming years. See, I think basketball is easier to manage because of the numbers. Baseball, football is just difficult because you got 85 scholarship players. And how many of those merit some level of NIL? How Dave Van Horn deals with this will be interesting to, to maybe make some observations from, from afar on this because it – I, I just and I know affects baseball too. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I'm sure Dave Van Orn would tell you right now, like every coach out there, we ain't got enough money. Um, I'm sure every coach out there is thinking that right now. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, just, just how it all plays out over the next 12 to 24 months. So I just think that it's, uh, I think it's here to stay. I know my guys at Fieldhouse Marketing are here to stay. We talk about NIL. If you want to be involved, new opportunities. Connect your brand with a university student-athlete. The guys at Fieldhouse Sports Marketing can help you. They're your Northwest Arkansas NIL authority. They'll help you get started. Fieldhouse works with athletes to connect them with opportunities to maximize their own potential, benefit the Northwest Arkansas economy, live appearances, social media, commercial production, community engagement, charity events, all kinds of beneficial partnerships right now. We talk about it just like we've been talking. Uh, and You can call 202 202- 5031. That's 202 5031. Or you can visit fhsportsmarketing.com and you can connect a student athlete with your business today. That's fhsportsmarketing.com. Welcome to the field house. Let's talk to Gary in Fort Smith. Good morning, Gary. Hey, guys. Hi, Gary. Uh, 
hey, I um, was pretty busy Saturday, and I just kind of got a snippet of some of the college bowl games that started on Saturday, and uh, I watched two or three minutes of, of several games, and they look like glorified spring practices to me. And if I'm a company and someone approaches me about sponsoring a bowl, I'm going, if it's not part of the championship series, sorry. Uh, it was just a bad look. I don't think what we're doing in college football with the bowl series, it, bowl games, is sustainable because it was unwatchable. I'm a college football fan, and it was awful. I couldn't watch it. And it just seemed to me like, no one wanted to be at any of them, uh, including the fans. They just had, were there. And uh, I think this is a, another result of NIL. So many people opting out, so many people moving uh, while bowl games are going on, that this is unsustainable. At some point, um, my company and my brand, I don't want to associate it with a half-empty stadium and very few people viewing the game because to me that looks like where that's going. Oh, I think, you know, I think there's some, there's some legitimate points to be made there. And I think one of the things that we're going to have to watch and see, you know, is what happens to these bowl games. And I, I've maintained that there are bowls out there that will survive because over the years they've become ingrained in the community. For example, the bowl game Arkansas is playing in in Memphis. I think the Liberty Bowl will make it. I think AutoZone benefits from that sponsorship uh, because, you know, that bowl game is becoming ingrained in that city. Some of these bowl games are not ingrained in the city, so to speak, and they are not what I would call traditional bowl games, and some of those bowl games are going to go by the wayside. Here's the thing you got to remember, though. It's not about is there necessarily even a great title sponsor. It's about... Can ESPN sell that time and make televising those ball games profitable? And they yeah. package all these bowl games together when they go out and sell them. And, uh, you know, one of the things they sell is the volume that you're going to get as a result of being, you know, that's why they want all the bowl games. And so um, I do think that these bowl games, even the ones we may not be interested in, do remain profitable. But I think the traditional way we view turning a profit at a bowl game is different than it was 15 or 20 years ago. The profit comes from television advertising revenue. And despite what people say, there hadn't been a drop-off in that. The dirty little secret that most fans don't know is about half of these bowl games and a lot of them that are the early games, the, the, not, the non-traditional, the newcomers, they're owned by ESPN. Right. They ESPN put the whole thing on. They yeah. sell the tickets. They they get the venue. They they put the money up for the teams. It's their deal. It's just disguised as a bowl game. It's ESPN's event. And there's there's not just one or two of these. There's about a dozen of these bowl games that are owned by the four letter network. No doubt about it. That's a very very good point. And obviously they wouldn't still do it if they weren't turning they, a profit. Well, they they do it because they need program. What else is going on? Right. The NFL's on the weekends. College basketball's in a break. They need programming to keep people watching because people are at home for Christmas break. They need things to put on TV. Well, you're right. And, like, take this, this week, for example, beginning today, 
there's at least one bowl game on every day this week. The Boca now, Raton some Bowl. Of them, some of them you don't even know about. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, your point's well made in that, you know, that's why all these bowl games are spread out now. That's why you don't have a, you know, the, the, the glut of games on one day like we had before because you can spread this out. You're the only one. When you sell that to your advertisers, that's a major selling point. Yeah. And anyone that, uh, you know, anyone that doesn't believe corporate America is doing real well, look at all these advertisements on sports events. They're doing okay. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.